Welcome to episode 91 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's guest is Aaron Feinberg. Aaron is an absolutely amazing landscape photographer with several galleries on the island of Kauai. I had the pleasure of joining him in his Poipu Gallery for this podcast episode, and man, it was a blast. I apologize in advance for some of the sound issues like air conditioning. Can't do much about that. Um... You know, doing these podcasts in person makes for such a rich conversation, and I would not be able to do that without your support on Patreon. For as low as $1 a month, you can support the podcast and keep it going. Just visit us at patreon.com slash f-stop and listen. This week, there's even more goodness over on Patreon for subscribers at the $5 a month level and higher. Aaron shares what it is like to go to Burning Man as a photographer, and he talks all about his Burning Man photo project. Well, before we get started, I wanted to tell you about one of our sponsors, Jason Matias, founder of The Art of Selling Art. You might remember him from episode 79, where we discussed the business of art, marketing, art fairs, and my personal favorite, finding your voice. Jason's platform, The Art of Selling Art, is a Facebook group community, and subscription platform for photographers and artists who are serious about earning an income from their art. Jason is a super personable and down-to-earth guy. He takes time to answer your questions, and he tells it to you straight, something I personally really appreciate. Jason just shared a free marketing plan workbook for 2019. It's pretty much exactly what it sounds like and includes a mindset exercise and goal-setting worksheet. You can download it from the link on www.jasonmatias.com slash The Art of Selling Art. You can also join his Facebook group, The Art of Selling Art, and the community of fine art photographers growing their art businesses there. Special thanks to our Patreon supporters and podcast producers, including Michael Howard, Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Chris Rice, Jeff Peterson, Charlotte Gibb, Jason Matias, and Anton Everin. These amazing folks contribute at the $20 a month level and higher over on our Patreon page. Let's get started. Here we are in Kauai with Aaron Feinberg. This is so cool. <laughs> and we have beers. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, this is awesome. Beer <laughs> for breakfast. Mm. Yeah, man. So first of all, um, your gallery is just beautiful. Thank like you. as soon as I walked in, I was just filled with like super awesome energy and like, and it's a little bit of jealousy <laughs> if I can't lie a little bit there, but uh Oh, man. Yeah, man. This is awesome. Nothing to be jealous about. Trust me. <laughs> the stress isn't worth it. Yeah. Well, so what is it like? What's it like? Uh, well, this, I started selling my artwork on the sidewalk, literally just like out of my car. Like, pop. there's a funny picture of myself and my friend sitting in Hanapepe on the west side at art night. And at that point, I just had literally like a rug down on the, on the road next to my car with some prints just like <laughs> sitting on the rug. <laughs> that was, it's a funny picture. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's evolved from that to now I have three galleries here. We just opened in Hanalei, uh, two weeks ago 
um, what's it like for when it's good, it's great, and when it's not, it's pretty much you're, the worst thing ever. You're shitting yourself a little bit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> most people, what their over, what's their overhead? Like, you have your rent, your car. If you haven't paid off your car, like if you have a family, then yeah, there's expenses. But you know, wedding photographers, people that do workshops, like. You, your expenses are so minimal, right. let alone brick and mortar, let alone two or three locations. And the cost of doing business is super expensive. For every dollar that somebody makes, it costs the employer $1.15. So that's 15% additional. So there, there's just becomes a lot of overhead. Of it. So when it's good, when you have the right team, and this business is not necessarily about the work, it's about the team. And I've learned that, I learned that very quickly, especially when I was going to expand because... You know, it was me by myself on the sidewalk, and then I found a little gallery space, and I was doing all the art shows and art fairs, and then, you know, I'd have a friend of mine help me out, one or two friends help a couple days a week in the gallery, and then I would go down. So I was working all the art shows and then going down to the gallery. Um, but most of the sales were, were still me in this tiny little 200-square-foot space. And then I was there for about a year, and this guy walked in into my tiny little hole-in-the-wall spot in Hanalei, and he started asking a bunch of questions, and I was like, you're not you're not a client. Who are you? Like, what's going on here? And he ended up being my gallery director for two years. Um, he came with fine art experience. Like, he, he had been selling fine art um, photography specifically and saw my work and was like, cool, let's do this thing, which was pretty awesome. Like, we, it was, it was cool. Like, we met in the gallery that day. It was, like, on a, a Wednesday. I think on, like, that Friday we had dinner on the east side. We talked story and just got super deep into it. And then, like, a couple days later, I had a shot that I wanted to get that I needed to camp out in Koke up in the mountains, which I still have to this day not got. <laughs> Dude, I have lots of those stories. Yeah, years and years ago. But we, I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, I'll come with you. I'm like, all right, sweet. So, like, a couple days later after that, we were hiking together across Koke and camping out, like, bushwhack camping kind of stuff. And That's a good way to connect right there. Yeah, and just we dropped in and it's kind of like, I, we went through my portfolio on my phone. And kind of showed him like what I was up to, and this is 2011, so many moons ago. Yeah. When, I mean, at that point, a lot of my portfolio was already created. Um, I had a couple of year period where like just kind of happened. You know, I, yeah. was, I was shooting a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, my my life at that point was allowing me to shoot a lot, um, and I was super motivated apparently because now I'm like <laughs> getting like, up for sunrise. Uh, what? It's no. so early. Yeah. Um, was, yeah, um, and yeah. So with his knowledge, we were able to open up this location where we're sitting in, in Poipu, and then somehow there was a spot at what is now called the Principal Resort, but it was called the Saint Regis for many years. Um, that there was a an office space in the hallway that was open somehow, and I don't remember how it happened, but I got turned onto the space. So while we were opening this gallery, I was already negotiating to open up another space in the hotel. Which is pure insanity because we had no idea the viability of this spot here in Poipu. Um, and six months later, we opened up <laughs> there. So it was three galleries in 19 months. And yeah, and then like it was, it was, this was what, 2012. So economy was coming back. I mean, I started in 2009 on the street. So I was like in the depths of like the bottom of all these things. Um, but I was also selling $50. $60, you know, $100 prints at the time, which was yeah. a way different market. Right, like like, like 11 by 18s tops. 8 by 12 that I would map yeah. myself into, <laughs> what was it, 8 by 12 to 12 by 16s. 
I had this black mat, so I would sit in my apartment, my studio apartment at the time, and just crank out a bunch of matted stuff. I did like a couple 12 by 18s, and then I had I had one or two G-clays. Like, I had my tripod standing like on my setup on the street. It was like a tripod. I would dangle the G-clay off the tripod, and then I put like a metal print like on the ground leaning against the tripod. <laughs> like, and it worked. Like I was, you know, the the commercial viability of selling artwork is a combination of having decent artwork, and I say decent because it doesn't have to be amazing; it just has to be good enough to sell, uh, and having the right clientele and the venue for it, mm-hmm. right? And so luck, traffic, right? And traffic, sure. But generally, I mean, I got lucky in the sense that I ended up in a touristy spot. You know, people come here, yeah. And generally, most people buy artwork when they're traveling, right? I mean, look where a lot of the big name photographers have their galleries all over the place. Yeah, Vegas, like Vegas, and Key West, and you know, they're they're generally tourist-driven spots. Uh, Miami, people that have money, and people that have money, yeah. Right. Which the money didn't used to be an issue for me because when I started out, my prices were way more reasonable. Um, and as things evolved, my edition sizes have actually gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And my prices, they're stabilized, um, but you know they, they reflect what the market, the normal market on the mainland carries for small limited edition work. Right. Um, and you're paying a premium, I'm assuming, here for space and probably other expenses as well. Right. And that's another thing, too, is like if I'm, you know, and yeah, well, we can get, <laughs> we can get into my neighbor, but the... Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> You've got... Two competitors. I have right two here competitors. In the same one spot. of which is twenty feet away. Yeah. yeah, that was that. The the other guy, uh, Scott, he's at the other end. Of the, he was at the other end of the shopping center, and he was here first. I moved in. He was very angry at me for moving in. He's like, Meh. <laughs> his. It's kind of actually a good intimidation. He's he's kind of he's kind of a curmudgeon. Like, <laughs> initially, like him and I had decent conversations, but he's he's a nice guy. Just just kind of a curmudgeon. Um, but he was very upset at me when I moved in because I was now direct competition, even Absolutely. though I was at the other end, except that our price points are so very different. Yeah, I was going to say, just I haven't, I haven't gone in there, but like, mm-hmm. I think you guys are targeting two very different audiences. Yes. Right? So even though his knee-jerk reaction was to say, ooh, competition, what he didn't see was the fact that we're operating on different markets. Yes. What happened next door that somehow management and ownership did is they put this guy who has a gallery in California who's like, I'm going to open one in Kauai. Woo. And they put him 20 feet away. And his work is it's decent, uh, but his price point is like a third to a half under mine. So where I people used to might stretch and say, all right, let's splurge for this. Because mm-hmm. it was either me or the other guy. Right. Now with the guy in the middle, um, unfortunately, that is one of the things you learn when you go into brick and mortar is that you're at the whim of management, especially when you're in a shopping area where... Lisa yeah, they don't care, right? In theory, they should because they should care about the, the financial health of their tenants, especially the ones that have been here for that long. Um, but when the leasing agent makes her commission off of filling spaces, yeah. And I've had conversations with her over the years, and um, she actually is a collector of mine. She, she has That's a piece. Cool. Yeah, it, and it's great. And she sees the difference between my work and my, my neighbor. But... Because he's there, it definitely I've seen a deflation in, in what I've been able to do. And have you have you had to make any adjustments in terms of like your pricing or? Well, no, I I, don't, I never want to devalue what I have set up for my collectors. Yes. And that is, I mean, that's the same across 
no matter who you are selling whatever, like I'm sure there's been tenant conversations about how people value their work and like stop selling it for dirt cheap people because yes, because um, well, there was that big stock. That guy, did you see the what was the oh, article? Oh, I did see that a Petapixel? Petapixel article where he was like he made like two dollars or, or what was something. it? No, it was um, was it Shutterstock? It was like. I don't remember the stock agents. It was MicroStock. Yeah, of course. And it was like $2 and Walmart was using it. Yeah, I'm using it for everything. (laughs) It's like all you have to do to fix the market is just stop. Just stop doing that. Just don't sell your work for dirt cheap and rising tide raises all ships. Absolutely. Yeah. So I I get that there's a different market for different things. Obviously, someone is going to sell prints for $50, $100, $200, like whatever it is. And normally... It's for for people that do the the shopping centers. It's their job to understand market dynamics, and uh, being a tenant, we're just at the whim of their decisions. So, uh, you know, she admitted to me later on. She's like, "Yeah, I, you know, sometimes I make a mistake." It's like, "Good. Sometimes your mistake is not going to cost me possibly like my living." Congratulations. <laughs> That's terrible. So yeah, so like right now, right now, like between. Uh, the uncertainty in our general economy, which I don't know if you've noticed, is a little bit weird lately. Yes, um, it is a bit weird. It's a bit weird. So between that, like, and there's more money, but people are holding on to it. There's more money for some people. Yes, I haven't found it Not, yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's more money um, for the you know top five to one percent. It's a tiny echelon for yes. sure, and you know, being not on purpose, but because. My goal was to always do limited editions, and as my price point, now, like I said, it's stabilized now, but as it crept up, um, it is kind of targeted at the, the upper end, you know, people that do want to collect something more refined, I would say, you know, limited. Not everyone generally cares about limited. Most people just want something pretty. Um, yeah, I was going to ask about that, because I'm, I'm getting ready to, um, I'm actually using Jack Brower to mm-hmm. build my website, yeah. a new website. Jackie Boy. Yeah, Jackie Boy. Another guy who I've never met. Who I've super cool with. dude. I'm going to see him in about a month. Cool. But yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, he's like two and a half hours from my house, mm-hmm. which is cool. But yeah, he's building me a new website and I'm going to be switching to like just, yeah. you know, limited editions and mm-hmm. bigger prints, probably just two mediums. Yeah. I was curious, like there's a lot of chatter out there about limited editions. Should I do limited editions? Should I not? Yeah. What was your kind of driving um, motivation behind going go the limited way. edition route? I mean, when I started doing more serious, like, I'm going to be a landscape photographer, or I'm just going to make a living doing photography. You know, at the beginning, I was doing everything. Um, it was, it just always made sense to me. I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to be a poster photographer. Because if it's not limited edition, it's a poster. I don't care if it's a print or not, like... It's just open print run, right? Like, I don't know. What's, yeah. what's a print on? Metal canvas, whatever. It's a poster. And I was like, no, I want, like, what I'm doing, I felt at the time was a better quality photograph than a lot of people have been taking, especially out here. And I'm like, no, I want I want things to be exclusive. What I didn't realize at the time, because I'm self-taught from, like, photography to business, was that I'm like, yeah, I'll do limited editions. And uh, I was doing limited edition per size. That was that was dumb, because then you do like six or eight different sizes, and like that's not freaking limited, right? Yeah. So you would have like different editions 
by size. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you're like, well, I'm doing 300, but now you have eight sizes, like 2,400 prints. It's like, that's not, that's that, ridiculous. Yeah. So what what ended up happening was when we opened, when I met that, my director at the time, um, and he knew what he was doing, when we opened this location in Poipu, all the new images that we released from then onward were inclusive. The, uh, the old stuff, I couldn't go back and be like, all right, Scratch what you guys have. We're just going to yes. go back to one again. Yeah, once you set an edition set, size. Yeah, well, I would say once you set an edition size, you can't go bigger. Right. You can go smaller. Sure. That makes sense. It might be weird to have something signed as like a, a 700 or a 300 and then go, ah, we're going to do 100. Yeah, that person might have an off-signed print, but they'd probably be stoked because now there's only 100 or less. Like, you can't go the other way. It's like, yes. oh, yeah, we're going to, yeah. Right. So you that can makes always, sense. always go smaller, at least morally. My, my no, head. I think that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just, I wanted some, I wanted something special out there. And like, you can argue that 300 maybe isn't that exclusive. I mean, compared to some edition sizes of other popular famous photographers, 300 is small. Um, but if you look at like the super high end fine art photography, like it's five, right? Mm-hmm. Or two, well, one. Or one, right? Yeah, and I know one, Mark Handy, he did edition sizes of one, of one which, which I think is. Interesting. You can do that if you have proper gallery representation. Because he didn't even have a gallery anymore. He he just had this. He used to have a gallery, mm-hmm. and he just had a huge uh, mailing list, emailing list. Which he got over the years. Yes. doing something. Correct. Right. Well, at his gallery. Right at the had, gallery. Yeah. Right. My goal is to sell a one-on-one, but it's going to be in like that crazy high upper echelon of money and. Yeah, like ten grand. No. Twenty grand. <laughs> Higher. <laughs> yeah no i i've i've sold artwork for five figures um i mean being we do artwork up to 10 feet you know like that's and it's limited edition and like it's a big it's a big piece of art you know so we're charging five figures you know for that kind of stuff um for one of one uh it will be it'll be a substantial amount yeah it'll be in the upper echelons of what what's already been done that's sweet uh, though yeah it's for, like the the whole thing with photography, I I really appreciate being what I seem like an out, outlier in this industry because the people that have done commercially very well tend to have really bad raps, and yeah. that doesn't have to be that way. You can be a good dude, an integritist, right. and like you could sign your own artwork still. that that shit happens like it's and it blows my mind you know you can edit your own artwork like you can still do all those things and be commercially successful so um my goal is just like to see what other people have done and be like well if they can do it i can do it and you know why are they special yeah and that gets more into the, the business side of again it's not it's not necessarily about the artwork right it's about the team that you can build around you to help see the vision, and be like, I'm on board with you. Let's so what? This. What kind of, um, what kind of people do you need around you in terms of skills and skill sets? And at this point, honestly, it's it's a sales team, right? Because my my business, my livelihood, like I have so much overhead. Like I have to sell artwork every month to pay my rent, my electric, payroll, like my debt load. Like right? Yeah, I mean everything has to be paid. So at this point, like good sales team in the gallery and bigger vision stuff would be like marketing director, gallery director, someone that can really take, like, I see the vision. You're on a small island in the middle of the ocean. Let's go to 
California. No. And I did, I, I tried to expand off island. I went to Maui, uh, which was an unfortunate complete flop. And, you know, things were really doing well up through 2014. There was cash in the bank. And, like, all these galleries that I opened, I opened on cash. Like, I save, I, I don't spend money. Like, my gear tends to get old. Like, occasionally I'll buy a new filter. But I just save money. And then, you know, I opened up this, the Poipu Gallery. I had the cash in the bank. I took a loan just in case, you know, just to have the, the wiggle yeah. room. And then... Yeah, and like so for up from 2012 through the end of 2014, like we were cranking stuff was good. You know, I wasn't having to work in the gallery so much. I was still hopping in and out and doing you know a handful of shifts. Um, and then it's like, all right, you know, I haven't had a gallery in three years. Like I wanted, like what's next? What's next? And like when I was in Hanalei in a 200 square foot spot, and you know, you have a decent month. You know, you move the decimal points at this point going backwards because. When you have no, you know, my overhead at that point was a thousand dollars for the, for, was a thousand? Yeah, the gallery was a thousand bucks a month, is what I was paying. So, like, you don't need to do that much to start putting money in the bank. I could have just stayed small, and I'm like, no, it was 200 square feet. Like, I have artwork that goes 10 feet. Right. And like, that's one photograph in the gallery, basically. Right. You know? <laughs> so, I was like, all right, second gallery. So, that's when we opened here, and like, we pushed it. But at that point, that like I said, that guy that walked in, he knew what he was doing, at least with art sales. So all of a sudden, I was now working with someone that had a background in sales that saw a potential. It's like, all right, let's do this. And it, it, it worked for years. You know, things got weird. I expanded to Maui. I signed the lease at the end of 2014, and things just went off a cliff. Like, 2015 was just so slow out here. Huh. So I was really slow in-house. Plus, I was spending tons of money. My contractor on Maui charged me double for what they told me initially. And I was dealing with a slow gallery. So, like, everything kind of, like, came to a head. And it took nine months to open up a gallery where I was just refurbishing a space because permits. And I just got raked over the coals over there. So, like, I was struggling there. And then 2016 ended up being good on Kauai, but Maui never took off. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and here we are today. Where yeah. I work 12 hours a day in a gallery. Ugh. Yeah, so like the, the... But going back, like 2016 was good. The economy felt better then. Up until the election. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, mean, it's true. I mean, elections always mess with, with business. You can see a, a cycle every two to four years. Like, it just happens. You know, mm -hmm. People people just don't like uncertainty. So right. coming into an election cycle, the economy generally tightens up. Um Obviously, after the election in 2016, things got weirder, so there's been zero consistency. But I had a really good sales team at that point, um, two, two people in particular, one of which um, was a young kid, uh, his name was McCall, and he was 19 when he came on board, like, just enthusiastic. Yeah, never, lots of never, energy. Never sold anything. Was like was super stoked. Like had seen my work when he was younger, and you know, he was doing some other work. And uh, kind of, he was a flamboyant young kid, and everyone loved him. But he he crushed it. He just started like at that point with the Maui Gallery. I was actually people would I would it was crazy. Like I rented a house on Maui because I was over there so much trying to fix that gallery. Ugh. And I would leave there. My I would have McCall or my director at the time, Aaron. They would fly over to Maui. I would leave the car in the parking lot. They would pick the car up, go back to the house, and they would live on Maui for a week. It was it was a crazy 
crazy <laughs> few like a year. <laughs> it was absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, and he he was doing so well. Unfortunately, he passed away in an accident on oh, Maui um, on election day in 2016. Wow. That's the day I bought my house. So at least something good happened that day. It's <laughs> a weird, Perfect. weird day. Weird day. Weird, weird day. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a weird, weird day. And yes, and like, so, I mean, he he was a, a unique talent. You know, there's I've, I've worked with a lot of people over the years. Some people are, are better than others. It's just the way that it goes. Um, but the way that he operated and the success that he had um, was, was really unique. Um, so... Comparing your and contrasting yourself with him, mm-hmm. like it sounds like he maybe was a better salesman of your work than you are, perhaps. Oh, most. I'm not a very good salesperson. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I. Yeah, I, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I I was better. I feel like I was better when I was on the street. When I was like super low key, and it was kind of like me standing behind a table with a blanket over it, with some stuff on the table, like because it was more raw. Like I was able to to be that new fresh kid now with the gallery situation it's a way more of a an actual sale right when people are spending one two three ten thousand dollars on a piece of artwork you know it's not me on the sidewalk anymore and sales its own thing there's tons of books out there on sales and yes i've read some of them <laughs> but how much it, oh man it's tough yeah because i don't excuse me i know it's my business and I'm having to work as much as I am in the gallery in sales right now, for a number number of reasons. But I don't I sh- I don't want to be on the sales floor, nor should I. Right. Because at this point, yes, people technically want to buy from the artist. You know, I don't tell people I'm me, unless they ask. Um, I've had sales where like we're signing the invoice and like, oh by the way, this is my artwork, and they're like, why why didn't you say something? And I was like, well, it's just way easier just to talk like. Yes. I don't like to talk about myself like most people don't. Right. You know, some people are like, let me tell you all the cool things I've done in my life. And I'm right. just like, I'm just going to pretend I speak in the third person. And it's just kind of, um, it's easier just to talk about the artwork as a, a we. Because at this point it is a we. It's not, I mean, I might push the button and, you know, hit the computer keys. But uh, the galleries, everything operates on a we system because it's a team. Like this would be nothing without with that. Um, which I actually... I hate the term work for that drives me nuts because I say work with I work for you and just like no like we work together yeah like I get it that I'm the boss and I pay paychecks but like we work together it's I know I come the same way when people my because I you know I'm, I have several people that I supervise and mm-hmm. I'm always like I'm, I hate don't call me your boss, boss or whatever man. like yeah we're just, just co-workers, co-workers like yep it's whatever yep yeah I call it a fine team is what it is yeah Everything tends to be a fine because my my brand, but yeah, a fine team. It's just it's a team, it's a team thing. So yeah, it's and the finding the talent pool. As someone <laughs> said yesterday, was it yesterday? I was having a conversation with someone, and they're like, "Yeah, it's not a talent pool out here. It's a talent puddle." <laughs> that sounds right. And then, yeah, it's it, a lot of people. Kauai is very transient, as a lot of islands and vacation spots are people come to live for a little while and then they bounce um and you know the island's only 40 miles across like you're you're dealing with whoever is on island at that point and then of course the people that are good at their jobs are going to already be in 
galleries and doing stuff. So like they have no incentive to leave. Right. So it's almost like you have to set up a like career booth at a high school or something and like look I mean, for like this super some, like energetic kid who's like like the clown of the class but like has a lot of spunk yeah <laughs> yeah i don't i don't i don't know there's there's a recipe i mean being enthusiastic definitely helps that you know whatever it is you're selling if you're just kind of dreary and like this this is okay you know versus like you have to see this photograph this is cool let me tell you a story about this this is awesome you know and getting people stoked that's gonna go way better than, than that so you know people skills you know people want to collect something from someone they like obviously if they don't like you they're not going to purchase something right so that's a huge that's yeah. a huge part of it absolutely yeah no. anyway yeah well let's um let's shift gears a little bit i um you know in reading uh through your website and then also you have it right here on your wall your artist statement mm. which i think is a little bit um antiquated i don't know if it's (laughs) i wouldn't say antiquated i think it's um uh, the word i guess i would use is maybe not pop unpopular right now a little bit well i yeah and i i want to read it you want to read it i do oh it makes me cringe no i think it's cool (laughs) okay so with the advent of digital photography and more recently with the popularity of photo manipulations Oftentimes, the integrity of realism of an image can be called into question. You will see that my motives are not to create art on a computer, but to give the viewer access to what is in front of us, the true beauty of the world. Everything you see in my photographs was present at the time of capture. All the light, colors, clouds, stars, rainbows, just as I was there to witness and document. To better aid the capture of technically challenging images, a number of techniques are implied both behind the camera and the computer, graduated filters, neutral density filters, blending of images by hand for dynamic range, dodging, burning, etc. I stand behind each image that you will see and guarantee that what you are seeing is true to life. Oh, it actually sounds better when you say it than when it's in my head. So, I don't when I when I read that, I was like, that speaks to me as a photographer, right? Um, especially I, as um, at least where I'm at in my journey uh-huh. right now. I read your article, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know, like, wh- what motivated you to create that statement specifically? Like, um, did it come out of conversations oh, you had man. in the gallery? No. Did that... it come out of seeing other people's work and being, I don't know, like... So when I yeah. started taking pictures, I, I was always shooting as a kid, you know, like, kind of, sort of. Um, I got my first digital camera. Well, I got a point and shoot. My dad gifted me a point and shoot in college, and then... My first real digital SLR was a Canon 20D, um, and that was in March of 2006. I was living in Utah, and I used to remember the exact day, camera day. <laughs> um, and so, like, that was right at the echelon of like. I remember the debate at that point being like, "Do I go to film or digital?" Like, there was still a debate in 2006 of like which direction to go. Sure. And the 20D was eight megapixels at the time, which. Is, it was a lot. It was yeah. It was it was like middle of the road. The twenty D. It wasn't like it was it was an entry level digital SLR. But like that's where I was. I was entry level. Yeah. I have hilariously bad photographs in that time. <laughs> I still have hilariously bad photographs, but at least now they're fifty megapixels or forty six, right. whatever the hell they are. You can um, print them ten feet wide. I can print a really bad photograph ten feet wide. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Off of one shot. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it was. You know, like most people, Mark. Adamus was like the first person to really be like, holy crap. Like, and I, I have one of his photographs still saved 
you know, right-click, save as. I put it into an inspiration folder back in 2006. Um, at that time, I think he was being more true to life because Photoshop, I mean, Photoshop existed, but yeah, he, like the photograph I have saved, I still remember is from like, I think it's from Second Beach or Shy Shy Beach. Um, but it was like the first photograph where I opened, I was like, holy crap. Um, and it never occurred to me to want to fake what I was seeing. Like the, the whole idea of what I was photographing was to show people what I was seeing. Right. Whether it was like, I was used, used to do a bunch of hiking. I still would love to do a bunch of hiking. <laughs> I will get back to hiking eventually. <laughs> but the whole idea was just to show people what was going on and cameras don't think or feel. So when you push a button, the light hits the sensor and then it's there, the ones and zeros. It's, it doesn't, it has no feeling. It's just data. And then you go to the dark room or the digital dark room and you, you don't create the image, but you bring that image to light, dodging, burning, etc. And just, I mean, I remember like blending to me. I mean, everyone has the same journey of like, oh, we can blend images together. And back then, like you had to. Right, you did it for dynamic range. Because your cameras weren't like the Nikons and the Sonys where you have like umpteen dynamic range. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you, I mean, you had to blend. So, and I, I had no idea what the hell I was doing for years and years. But still, to like, there was no like, I wish the sky was different. So I'm like, no, it was always like, I'm going to do the work and I'm going to go out and shoot. And the, the whole point of, I mean, it kind of bleeds into the limited edition thing too, is I'm doing the work to get the image. You know, there's no, there's, there's nothing wrong with creating digital art based on a photograph, but that's said on purpose. Like <laughs> you can have the basis of art, be, art is art. It doesn't matter what the hell it is. I'm just looking for integrity. So the whole idea of like what I was shooting and seeing was just, yeah, I'm using the tool in front of me and I want to show you what, what I saw or what my vision of that scene was, you know? And then of course, you know, tools change over time. You know, now we're focus stacking. Um, that is probably the most, and that's not even radical anymore, what people are doing with images, but like focus stacking, I think is the most radical thing that I do. You know, outside of like the dynamic range blending, that's not that's not radical anymore. I mean, what else? What else do I do? I mean, maybe, maybe no, I don't even shoot the moon. Like I used to shoot them like wide at twenty four, and then shoot the moon at seventy, and put it back in. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm trying to think of a, a picture that I even have in the. I don't have anything in the portfolio that even has that. You right. Know, I know I've done it in the past, but it's not even a thing in my portfolio. Right. So. Um. And if I was to do that, I would probably still indicate what I did. Um, you know, a lot of people have a hard time when they walk into the gallery. I mean, this goes like straight to the integrity thing with the manipulation or lack of manipulation. People walk into the gallery and go, oh, that's fake. The colors aren't like that. And it's like, well, they are, first off. You just you know, haven't seen it that you way because you're walking way. around at one o'clock in the afternoon on the beach and like... That's yep. like, and then you go to bed at like six o'clock. Yeah, the the right light, and yeah, maybe I'm using a polarizer so it cuts the glare, so the colors are more saturated. Or you know, we don't have film. Like you used to put Velvia film, like that right. was the film, right? It was super right. saturated and great. And yeah, so like, I still use analog terminology when I'm talking about the artwork because that's what people can relate to. You know, I say darkroom, like oh, I just normal darkroom work, and they go oh film, like, oh no, it's digital. But you know, because when you say darkroom, that's not oh, this is created in Photoshop. 
you know, and Photoshop has such a negative terminology. Like it's just right because of what happened. Like things just went off the rails. Like people just started hammering away, and they still well, even in away. the '80s and '90s, they were using it to yeah. to manipulate images yeah. and like like clone. And like Art Wolf was using it to clone in like pictures of birds to Apparently make the, Steve Curry. Yeah, or, or Steve, Steve Curry. Yeah, yeah, like okay. yeah, yeah, they. I mean, it, it was it was common back then, but it wasn't really like there was a lot more debate about it. I yeah. guess I don't know. Like well, it was it was, it was it analog was, too, so just photography's changed so much because it's so accessible now. Yes, there was no Instagram. Like to see a photograph, you had an Open Time magazine or Nat Geo. Like there was no internet. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, the good old days before the uh, internet. <laughs> let me send you this picture on my rotary phone. <laughs> it's like I don't think that was the pot thing. Uh, yeah, so it's, I, I wrote a, a blog entry, I shared that with you recently, about four years ago, um, after I caught a internetly well-known photographer faking a photograph from uh, a spot out here, and um, I've been careful never to name that person, because it sure. doesn't, doesn't matter who it is, uh, but... There was no indication, like I looked at the photograph and it took me about five seconds to realize that that wasn't physically possible. Right. Like the light and the, like it was a rainbow and light and it was like, that's not the way that light works. That's right. That's not physics. Yeah. Um, and there was just no indication. And like, that's a spot that was super hard to get to. So to put in the effort and for someone to easily just, just negate what a lot of people do in the field with one fell swoop was really demoralizing. And you're like, a lot of us are putting in the work, a lot of work to get images that are true to life. Right. So, and I have no problem with doing those things, but for me, it's just say artistic liberties were taken, right? right? Just say something. Don't tell, don't tell me what you did, but just put a note that says artistic liberties were taken. So that just the, the work that I've been creating I just it just doesn't it doesn't occur to me to like focal length blend which is so crazy like <laughs> I get it like your eyes see something at 70ish millimeters right so like yes that mountain isn't that small when you're shooting at 14 right but then shoot at 70 and pano stitch right like do the work right I mean, yeah, it'll be really hard. Your computer might start smoking and crash. So. Lean in. Yeah, um, so do the work. So like, there's a way. If instead of focal blending, you could pano stitch. Yeah. And it would take a lot of work, and it would probably get fucked up. And because <laughs> pano stitching sucks, like there's one file that goes wrong. So, but you your ways of doing it in in the camera, quote unquote, because yes, you're still going to pano stitch. But if you shot a whole scene at seventy and did like you know a pano of 40 images then you'd have that scene it would look wide but you'd have that telescope you know telephoto compression that right. people are wanting so do it that way but at that point now you're probably going to have to focal or focal length blend oh, not focal length sorry depth of focus blend right because now you're doing yeah it's so very possible it's extremely time consuming so i the workaround becomes too easy and not realistic because when you go to that scene, if I stand in that river and I'm standing here and I'm like, that mountain looks pretty far away. And all of a sudden you look at someone's photograph and it's really close up. You're like, that's not what it looks like. And so you're giving people a false sense of reality. 
which is fine in art. And I'm, I'm always going to be fine with art. I just want some sort of disclaimer. Just say artistic liberties were taken. Right. Just it's very easy. It's clean. It doesn't give away. It just says. That I don't know. What I've found interesting in my own work is because um, I two of my best selling photos are actually composites that I took like in twenty. 13 and it drives me crazy that those are my best-selling images but they are and it's funny when i ask people i will because nowadays i'm like i just tell them everything i'm like you know that's not real right like i literally tell them that's not real they don't care like they it's they just like the way it looks or whatever and it's art which to me um speaks to like there's no reason not to tell people that it's Manipulation. Right. If you're afraid of, if you tell someone something's going to happen, then that's a guilty conscience, right? Right. Right. So <laughs> tell people, like, if they don't buy it because of it, sure. But obviously your story begets that. You're like, yeah, tell them. And they're like, yeah, I don't care. It's beautiful. Yeah. They, it's So, I mean, it, to me, it's like, I know a lot of people, the counter argument is like, oh, I shouldn't have to tell people. And it's art is art, and I should be able to do whatever I want. I mean, we've covered it on the podcast a thousand times, but but I mean, it, we talk a about it. Shows, a, it would probably be a thousand times. We we talk about it a thousand times because it's like something that we are constantly dealing with as photographers yeah. in the digital age. And I don't know, it's a topic that I think we all are have an interest in, especially if you're selling artwork. Yes. Well, yeah. And so going back. When people walk in and they're like, oh, that's fake or photoshopped or like, that's not real. Like I have a photograph uh, called Ha'okama'o, which is over there in the wall um, to our left, right, depending on which direction you're sitting. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a shot of spouting horn and it's light painted and it's at night. And 99% of the people walk in the gallery and like, oh, that's lava. And then you're like, no, 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 it's just, just red light. And they go, what? And they're like, all right, how many shots? And I'm like, no, it's like that was all done in one shot in camera. Like, still probably the craziest single shot. Probably the craziest single shot I've taken. That's pretty cool. It's, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's pretty sweet. It's 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 kind of ridiculous. And but when you excuse me, when well, it looks you, like plasma is like shooting out of the ocean. Yeah, because the water is <laughs> the water is colored blue, so it looks like a steam vent, like from lava, and then the ground is red. So with the red and the blue, it looks like lava and steam, like the yeah, gases and all that. Super dynamic. But when you, when people are constantly assaulted with heavy-handed imagery, so when they see images that are actually done realistically or legit or legit, they're <laughs> all legit. Just some are more legit than others, I guess. Nineteen eighty-four with it. Uh, yes, or Animal Farm stuff. Um, yeah, so it, it's just. You're, you're constantly battling people's preconceived notions about what they're seeing because they've they've had so much intake of fake imagery, basically. Right. I, I mean, I don't know. My, my Instagram feed, probably for for like a couple, three, four months, was just... What's Instagram? Yeah, right. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but it was like constant barrage of just obviously fake images that mm-hmm. like... And, it, and for me, like, if it's a place that I go to a lot in Colorado... Yeah. Like, and I know that what was taken is physically impossible. That's when I just get, I just, my head explodes because (laughs) I'm like, I've been exactly standing where you shot that photograph and it doesn't look anything like that at all. In fact, like what you just put on Instagram, like that makes people think that Colorado is some kind of crazy, like 
playground yeah. insanity thing. And you have a lineup of people with selfies on yeah. Instagram getting their likes. and Yeah, and it's like, uh, it's like there's all these repercussions that happen. And I, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know like if it's an age thing or a maturity thing, but there's a lot of people out there, or especially people that are maybe like kind of newer to photography, like mm. they're super enthusiastic because we've been there, right? Yeah. Like, they don't think about that stuff or they don't see... They haven't been in it long enough to see the impacts of sure. that stuff happening. I think that, that's a good point. I mean, the, the the advent of digital photography, which is still relatively new, 10, 10 plus years, but because things have changed so rapidly with Instagram, with cell phones being amazing, the pictures now, unbelievably amazing, uh, we're, we're in this, like... Like the whole HDR thing, you know, eight years ago, you know, where everything was like photomatics to all hell, and it was like that's guilty. Looking. <laughs> all right, <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, it's like there's an evolution. So like, there's there's a lot going on now where things are finding like, oh, a lot of photographers now are not putting locations on their images because they realize like, oh, shit, like now I'm fucking up nature because right. I'm destroying it. Now everyone's going to my spot because you no, know, so. We're still in this learning curve as a society where now we're learning about the repercussions of our actions. Unfortunate, because now a lot of things are... It's almost too late. It's Yeah. For I mean, some things. If you've ever been to like Mesa Arch, holy hell, it's tripod Tetris. Right. Like, it's unbelievable. Like I, I shot there once, and I live on Kauai. Like, I shoot by myself on purpose all the time. Right. Like... People, I, I don't like shooting other people, actually. I, people are like, hey, let's go out and shoot sometime. I'm like, oh, it's yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> See ya. Uh, yeah, no, I just, I, I like photography for my own thing. Um, so, like, to go to the mainland and show up and just, like, oh, my God. And it was a scene. It was kind of funny. Like, it was laughing, basically, of, like, holy crap. Like, this is a thing. This is how a lot of people take pictures. And, yeah, and with all the workshops that people are running, and you know, I get it. People want to make money. At the same time, we have to we have to figure out how to do that in a sustainable way. You know, I mean, our whole society as a whole has to learn lessons. You know, fossil fuel. Like, yeah, we've been doing some things so right. It's going to hurt to change. For but, sure. You know, I, I don't. I don't know. There's no answer, and everyone wants to make a living. So it's like, why? If, if they can do it, why can't I do it? Right. I mean, that's True. the argument you hear people make. Is Which, like, yeah. oh. You want that location for yourself, and how dare you yeah. be so selfish? Like it's not selfish thing. It's because I've seen what happens when things get destroyed. Yeah, there's so many. Look it, at the race. Look at the racetrack. It doesn't take much. It takes one, like, especially in these sensitive areas. To, like one, like who drives on the fucking racetrack? Right? right. Those tracks are gone. <laughs> like who steals the rocks? Like you know, and that's a national park. That's very public. You know, versus like these backcountry areas, which are even more sensitive. And what's interesting, the the so this topic comes up a lot on other podcasts as well in fact i just heard um photog adventures they um, talked to the young kid Derek sturman mm-hmm. about that is- issue and they were saying well like you know it's like yeah i'll tell people locations because um and Derek was actually on the other side of the argument he was saying i yeah i don't share locations anymore but i think what they failed to recognize is that um it's not necessarily other photographers that we need to worry about necessarily it's the people that we're inspiring with our amazing photographs that maybe just want to go there for themselves or maybe they're they just bought a dslr and they're 
super excited or maybe they just want a selfie at that location yeah you don't like get a, you don't get an ethics instruction book with your camera right you just get a camera with an instruction book on how to use the camera and not of like how to not trample things and yeah i mean how do you how do you teach that you have to you have to lead by example and you have to put out put out that example on the internet you have to be if everyone posts like because why, why is photography so popular? It's because people are taking really badass photographs that other people are like, wow, that's really cool. How many people are actually reading the quotes under the photographs? That's another question. Who knows? <laughs> I suppose they're just double tipping and like, oh, that's pretty. Uh, but if everyone was writing the same thing, if everyone was like on board with how to be at, treat locations ethically, then yeah, I would assume that more people that were starting from scratch would have an idea of like, oh, okay, this is... I shouldn't step on this crypto cryptobiotic, cryptobiotic soil. soil that takes thousands of years to regenerate. It's yeah. funny today. I was just on the beach uh, here in Poipu uh, shooting some like really close ups of plants. Yeah, and um, I was like, okay, I, I don't think I should step on these because like they look kind of fragile. Yeah. So I was like, you know, like rock hopping and like trying to avoid stepping on the plants and yeah. stuff. But like, I don't live here, so I don't know what. You don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But that's that you're erring on the side of safety, which is yeah. great. Because a lot of people will just be like, chomp, 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 chomp. Living here, I happen to know that very little at the ground level, ocean level is native anymore. Because yeah, right. humans are great about fucking up. So, yeah. And also everything regrows really quickly out here. I mean, the really sensitive Areas are up in the mountains where there's, you know, we're an island in the ocean, so there's species that only exist on Kauai. Right. You don't want to go trampling around on those. That would be terrible. So, but you're erring on the side of caution because you understand, well, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know the area, so you're erring on the side of caution, which is fine. But so how do you teach that to the masses? I know. It's it's the million dollar question. There's um... anybody out there, if you know. (laughs) Well, so like, us. there's a comment. comment in the section below. There's a there's a group of us that's working on it. That's why I'm going to see Jack uh, Brower yeah. in a, about a month. We met back last. Well, I guess about ten months ago now. We met in Ridgeway yeah. um, with Sarah Marino and mm-hmm. and Ron Cascarosa and Eric Stenzlin. That's how you pronounce that name. Interesting. Yes, yes, <laughs> I've practiced many times. Um, and Tony Lichuski, like a bunch of us, we were like trying to figure this out mm-hmm. and like, we're going to hopefully release like a, like photographer's ethics standards Do I get a badge? Thing. Can I get a badge? I want a badge. Well, that's what we're trying to figure out too, is like, how do we Super make clean. it sexy, but like, and like spread the word quickly. Sash. And Sashes are sexy. A sash. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just with like a, a Sasquatch badge. Sasquatch is a good, uh, yeah, that's a good icon. But yeah, we're trying to figure that out because like, um, and even like playing with different words like principles or ethics, like which one is less like imposing, you know? Yeah, that's when you do your market research, right? You get the test group in and you do all sorts of things that fancy people do. Yeah, and we're just a bunch of like really concerned photographers, so like... (laughs) Yeah, you look so concerned. Yeah, so... (laughs) I, I was super curious, um, since you've been here, mm-hmm. like, shooting for almost a decade. No, 11 and a half years. Oh, well, more than a decade. Yeah, more than So, how have you seen the island change in that time? Oh, with man. With photography coming in about the same, oh, at hell. the same time? So, the most dramatic spot 
change is going to be Queen's Bath. Uh-huh. So... Which is where that was uh, shot. Yeah, Adu yeah. in Firefalls. Yeah. Um, I've shot there. It's beautiful. It It's... That whole coastline, the whole North Shore is just ridiculous. Um, there's tons of, like, little nooks and crannies that you can hide in. Yeah. But when I, I kind of landed here in a sweet spot. So I got here in... Excuse me. Um, what was it? It was May... May 5th, 2007. It's my quiversary. Um, quiversary? Quiversary, yeah. <laughs> do, do you guys use that here? I do. Do the other people use it? What's your uh, quiversary? Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a thing, because most people, like, it's a really transient place. So a lot of people, like, I feel like 18 months is, like, a plus minus for people here. Uh-huh. You know, maybe it's a little bit longer, but... Um, so, yeah, people that are here, like, five, six, eight, ten years, like... There's there's a handful of us that are that are semi might be lifers, um, but yeah. So I I arrived in 07. Like, think about 07. Like, digital cameras were really just getting a hold on. There was no Instagram. Facebook was still new. Yeah, like the best camera was like the D seven hundred. Yeah, or something like it that. It was like there was so there wasn't as much. There wasn't as much just wasn't a thing like and so over the years one there was a book that was put out called the ultimate guide or ultimate kawaii guide or whatever it's a blue book that's really yeah popular. the blue book the blue book everyone knows it's a blue book yeah so that came out in like oh seven oh eight ish oh nine and that kind of blew up a lot of spots that were always there but no one like think about all the photography guides that and this wasn't a photography guide this was just a hiking adventure guide yeah that's um, what I used to find yeah. stuff when I first came here. Yeah, and it's I and mean, now I'm like, oh, those kind of guys are like the plague, right? And, but <laughs> of and a lot, and, and a lot of photographers are putting things. To, I mean, I and I get it because people want to make a living. So, but the unintended consequences of those actions, you know, people wanting to sue the guy that made this book because people were getting killed at spots because, yeah, they're fucking dangerous and people tend to be idiots. So. If you go to the coast and there's big waves and yeah, it, maybe there's a 10 minute lull in between waves. But if you live in Chicago and you're not used to the ocean, you don't know that. I mean, yes, you look down and the rock is wet and you're like, I don't know why this rock is wet. It's not raining. Like, <laughs> use your brain. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's like Queens Bath, the trail. I used to be able to, I mean, I always hike in slipper uh, sandals. I call them slippers out here is what they're called, but sandals, flip flops, fancy flip flops. Um, I mean, I always used to be able to like basically run down that trail to shoot in like five, eight minutes. I would just crush it. And oh man, I was down there. Apparently, they just put up a huge fence blocking up the whole trailhead now, which is crazy because people die there. I mean, it's it's a very dangerous spot when the when the surf is up. Um, and there's a plaque when you get down to the bottom of the yeah, trail. There's a wood plaque with notch marks on it of how many people have been killed there. And like that's not fucking around. Like that's real. Yeah. And that's not like haha. Look at how many people died here. So. And it doesn't deter people. I no, mean, that's been a, my experience no. in Colorado. Like, no, like no. people really want to climb all the 14ers, all the 14,000 foot mountains, mm-hmm. which I've done. Humble brag. But humble brag. <laughs> I mean, no big deal. But like. <laughs> But the funny thing is, is like there's those kinds of signs that like some of the more dangerous yeah, there's peaks some there sketchy knife ridges. doesn't deter people at all. Yeah, which <laughs> it's like it's like skiing a double bike diamond, right? You're like, yeah, I can handle that, you know. But can, can, can you? But can you? Yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Alta, like there's no double blacks. Everything is single black. It's great. So you don't know how what kind of mess you're getting into, <laughs> which is great. 
you know, but yeah, there's some of us that know what we're doing. Like I can run down that trail in slippers and I've been down there in 40 foot surf, which is arguably dumb, but I know what I'm doing so right. I can do it safely. Whereas I've had to yell at people in less big surf being like, get your ass out of there now because you're going to die. You're going to die. And like you watch, like in my heart starts to race because you're like, what the hell are you doing? And yeah, and like, you know, five minutes later, a wave comes in, like where they were standing. And it's, I, so we as humans tend to always go to the lowest common denominator, unfortunately. So, and I get it, like people are dying and you want to stop that. And it's really bad advertising for Kauai if there's always news about how many people died on the island. So the tourism board, I'm sure, doesn't want people like, how many people died at Queen's Bath this year, you know? Um, but they're, you know, so we end up losing access to these spots that are so special. That trail, because it got so popular, is so eroded. It's just, it's it's a shadow of its former self. It's, I mean, the, the real beauty is that, I mean, there's beauty along the trail, but the the coastline is, is the main attraction. But I can show you pictures of when I first started going down there, 07, 08, 09, of the greenery and, like, what it used to look like. And now it's, like just four foot deep ruts in the roots and like oh man it's just hammered it's yeah so hammered. if you had any p- before and after yeah stuff we'll show that on the podcast I'd... <laughs> <laughs> well i'd love it for the other project uh, yeah, yeah. um just oh yeah for the concert like to yeah. show people yeah. like this is real totally. this is legit like this isn't like yeah. location sharing and like understanding your impact as a yeah. photographer like there are actually real consequences yeah. that you may not be aware of, especially if you're new. Like if you've only been to Queens Bath once and the trail looked like that, you, would you wouldn't never, know you that would like know. five years ago it wasn't like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's every now and then I share the photograph of the original trail and it's like, oh man, that's a bummer. You know, and I don't. You can always argue. Like the, I think the mentality people get to is like, oh, it's going to happen anyway, so I'm just going to do it, and. Oh, it's so hard because like as photographers are like I know what I'm doing so I'm going to do this I'm going to step over the railing I'm going to you know and oh man it's such it's so hard because humans humans the psychology behind the thought process of like it's just me it's no big deal but yeah it's hard yeah it's you and then Is someone who sees your shot that and doesn't that, have the same yeah. care or like Someone who sees your shot who, oh, by the way, in two or three years, they become a, a workshop leader. And now they're taking, like, 20 people down there. Like, you don't know like, Wait, people, who's going to see do, that photo. People do workshops? Right. Is that a new thing? I know lots of people that do workshops <laughs> on Kauai. Yeah, I know. I know. I've, I've, done, I've done one. No. I've done one landscape and one nude. I do landscape nudes we're doing another one in March the nude workshops I mean everything that I've done I don't my life and my business has been built on fine art and art sales so I'm not plugged in you can tell by my Instagram following that I'm not plugged into the photographer community because they're not my target audience yeah I I appreciate photographers I follow some not many uh, but it's not who I'm marketing to so when I try and when I do the occasional workshop I'm not plugged into the workshop scene, quote unquote. So uh, they're not, it's not a thing. You know, I would probably be okay doing two a year. Super small. Like, right. 
you know, four or five people, you know, just, just me. Um, and there will be always spots that I would never take people. Absolutely. <laughs> like everyone has, like you have your spots. Um, there's so much about Kauai too, that you really don't have to try hard to, you just drive to a lot of the overlooks and be like, ta-da, like the Kalalau overlook, like, right. like the one behind you in the gallery. Right. Like it's, it's, it's paved. It's got a railing. It's a hundred not even a hundred yards from the car, and it's one of the craziest spots in the world. Like that Agreed. overlook. That overlook is just like you. It's it bonkers. feels like there's a Hollywood backdrop, like there. It just is Brazil, and sometimes it's clouded in, and you can't see. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes you watch it peel open. But yeah, so there's a lot on Kauai that's really accessible, and that's fun just to show people as it is, because you know you're 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 tooling around. Like I said, I don't really shoot with people, but in the the off. You know, rare occasion that I do it is it's fun to switch it up sometimes you know people get excited you know it gets me out of the office shooting which I don't get to do too much so that's that's a thing yeah uh, well when we when we first uh, when I first came in you you made a an interesting comment which I think could lead to an interesting conversation that uh, that you don't share work oh, on yeah. social media at all yeah um, um, I, wouldn't I, say it, I wouldn't say it at all so but very rarely or yeah very 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 sparingly my over, oh man, I don't even know when I started posting. There was like Instagram to me and social media is, I wouldn't say I love hate. I don't really love anything about social media. No, it's not true. There's there's some cool things. You get to, to connect with people. Yeah. It is cool. I mean, we wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> Damn it. You got me. Uh, so right. <laughs> I would be here. Right. You would be here, but we wouldn't be You'd be making art sales and I'd be in my uh, hotel room drinking Buffin du Mont, apparently. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Breakfast beer is so efficient. Um, so, yeah, so I was trying to do the good business thing of, like, I'm going to post every day and try and get, you know, God. marketing and following. And, like, I was I did it pretty consistently for a while. Um, I didn't see any benefit. Right. The ROI is, like... Yeah, I feel like it's it's hard to measure for one. Well, it's, it's hard to measure for me. It's sales, right? So for sure, if I get one sale a year out of doing out of Instagram posting once a day, like how much time does that take you for the whole year, right? Yeah, but it's a, it's a <laughs> excuse me, it's a sale that I wouldn't have. It's found money, what I call it, because it's not someone walking into the gallery, and be like right. That's pretty much all the. But also, that's when, what I call my sales. Yeah, it's, found, it's all found money. Found money. Yeah. Oh, surprise! <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, but with my, my artwork isn't inexpensive anymore and not everyone knows that. So when you walk into the gallery and you see something at 40, 80, 120 inches, there's an impact. Like you said, when we started the podcast, like for sure, there's a, and that's, that's the feeling when you're looking at something on an Instagram screen, yeah, two inch which screen. is two inches. <laughs> and oftentimes, like if it's a vertical, then it's one inch because you had to crop I, it. I, well, no, I don't crop. I make squares. Yeah, yeah. I do the black borders or like a panoramic where I'll or do like you split it into like split it into panels multiple like for the panels, swipey things right. which I started doing and then I stopped because it was, it's a pain in the ass it's a pain in the ass and people don't do it anymore. so yeah so like I'll letterbox the panos right so like my Instagram feed if you look at it compared to what other people's Instagram feeds it looks kind of funny because it's just jumbled of like and also I don't have a style like maybe, well maybe I do in externally internally I've had a number of people say, like, oh, how many photographers are in the gallery? Because I shoot abstracts, I shoot nudes, I shoot 
wide scenes. Like, so it, it kind of feels like there's multiple styles going on here. So, and I share that with the Instagram feed. So it's it's really jumbled. But I've noticed most of my. This is funny because it's a photographer podcast that photographers are going to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> so I get the the irony of it. But most of my followers are, are photographers. But that's not my market. So, and I feel like most of Instagram is photographers, at least because I'm a photographer. So like my universe is that, but you know, it's just, it's almost self aggrandizing and I don't care about the notoriety. Right. So like I, yeah, I submit to contests that's for the CV, you know, when you like there's worth in the, in the window, there's a list of my accolades, you know, and over the years, bigger or smaller contests, like people that care about those sorts of things have liked some of my images which is it's flattering it's cool it's nice to be acknowledged i'm in the art sales business so it does it matter that when the client walks in they can see there's 70 awards or whatever i don't know if i've ever sold something because of an award right maybe i don't i don't it's hard know. to say it's hard to say i mean that's another thing it's where it says there but going back the posting things on social media in certain channels like and i get it i'm not the best at monetizing facebook or instagram like there are plenty of people that do great about oh, posting sure. a photograph and like their workshop books up in a day right and that's because that's their market right i'm not i'm not booking that so whereas it's nice when other people say hey that's you did a, you know appreciate your artwork um i sh i share the artwork that i've shot as a reminder that i still exist i guess <laughs> which is funny <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. That gets into like some deep. Well, it's funny because like I feel like some so the social so I don't know. I so I I used to be a, a psychotherapist. I used to do like addictions counseling and stuff. Okay. And I'm going somewhere with this. Trust me. No, I know. But like the the crazy thing about being a therapist is like you usually don't see the fruits of your labor ever. Some, but you might like years well, later you might run into someone and they'll show tell up again you, in your office. Yeah, they might tell you like years later, like oh, like you helped me so much, like. Yeah. But they didn't tell you back then because right. you know whatever. And I feel like social media sometimes is a little bit of that. Like maybe they came into your gallery. Yeah. Like oh, I wonder if he has an Instagram. Are you like, trying oh, to convince me to him. post more? Is that what you're trying to do? I don't know. Like I feel like sometimes there's hidden ROI in yeah. social media. Like okay, here's a good example. The other day. I posted social currency. I po <laughs> I posted of the it's hilarious, but I posted on LinkedIn. I posted an image on LinkedIn. People still use it. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so, like, my first boss uh, that I had from after grad school sure. commented on it. Right. And then, like, his really good friend, who's like uh, an accountant, saw it, liked it, and then Just, he bought my photo. Yeah. Like. Just weird stuff like that can happen. Yeah, but I know, and that, that's the argument is like, post everywhere because you never know. And that's why people pay social media managers a lot of money to manage their social media because it takes a lot of time to post on yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I mean, I use a, I use a Tumblr. I use an app called If This Then That. If, yeah. Does that post on everything? Well, so like you can set up rules. Right. So like... If This Then That. Yeah, so like if I post <laughs> if on Instagram... If given, then it's true. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. if I post on Instagram, then it'll post that yeah. same photo on LinkedIn with these captions. No, well, like, that seems way too easy. See, I'm not good at the internet. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I live in a small island. I, let's be honest. Like, I'm not, well, I'm not yeah. hip. Like Anyways, I don't know. I feel like... But it seems efficient. Because if it posts everything... If it wasn't efficient, I wouldn't do it. Like, on, like Can you put honest. that on, like, your your tagline for, for everything <laughs> right if it wasn't efficient i wouldn't do it well if i if, it, if the podcast was efficient i wouldn't i wouldn't do it but it's <laughs> it's it takes a lot of work but it's fun yeah but it's fun yeah and you get to laugh at everybody goes in this later on well yeah and we're drinking breakfast beers breakfast beer oh man yeah so good and so now i just want to day drink the rest of the day i know um, that's the danger right <laughs> oh so going back wow this, that was a fun tangent so not posting so much on social media so yes yeah, so over time Especially now recently with my newest gallery in Hanalei, uh, there is a specific image in there that will never be on social media whatsoever. It will never be on my website, actually, because it's really unique, and I don't want people to copy it. And that's mostly what happens on Uh. social media now, is that when you go online, and I have a list, I literally have a spreadsheet of stuff that I've seen online, and be like, I'm going to go there, and I have a spreadsheet organized by country, and it's of places that I like, I haven't checked pretty much anything off on it. But it's a it's a bucket list stuff of like I'm going to shoot there and there and there. And yes, we get a lot of inspiration from other photographers. You know, oh they shot this like this. That's cool. Like that's how we learned how to blend, right? That's how we learned how to focus stack or whatever. Um, but at this point, because people are so good at knocking everyone else off, I don't I don't want to share stuff that's really hard to do on social media and again because my business isn't based upon other photographers it's based upon gallery sales so if someone comes into the gallery and we have a web file like my my staff we have a a folder with images so we can email clients say hey you're interested in this you know I don't think my client is ever gonna post it right somewhere that's gonna be like hey check this thing out you know like that would be silly Um, but that's going to happen more and more for me is where I will not, there will be certain images that I will create. I have a series. So the image that's in Hanalei um, will be part of a bigger series. I was waiting to do a series before I released it. And with this new gallery, I wanted something really unique in there. Um, and, and that one's it. Um, there's another series that I'm working on slowly. Very, very slowly. Yeah, well, you're working 12 hours a day in the gallery. Yeah, and like, yeah, you can argue there's sunrises and nighttime and, yeah, but tired. Um, And beer. But beer. And food. And tired, yeah, it's like, yeah, so... Well, and you're not a single dude either, right? Like, you have... I am currently single, actually. Oh, you are? I am. Uh, I thought you had at least a girlfriend. No, no, we, yeah, I split up with my my long-term partner. We split up in July, August, Uh, July, August, and... Well, I'm just the asshole then. (laughs) No, well, see, that goes to social media. Like, I didn't make anything public. Right. Like, and, you know, we didn't, um, yeah, we just, I, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't like, let's announce this to the world. Right, right, you know? right, right. And uh, it, it comes up a lot because when you bump into someone now, like, I've lived out here a long time, and because it's not been posted to social media, not that people are might surprised. See it, but yeah, they're like, oh, you guys broke up five months ago or separated five months ago. And, like, and we're still great friends. So it's 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 not really, it's not. Yes, it was a long-term relationship, and it was really it was really nice, but um, because things weren't done publicly like the show is these days, like you have to get information the old-fashioned way right. by talking to a person wow, face to face. What? <laughs> Be it maybe gifts. You could do gifts or emojis. Yes, I do. I do like my gifts. <laughs> That'd be funny. I'm just going to post... Oh, you can't post gifts on Instagram. 
So what yeah. what is the what is the series that this is going to be a part of? What is the thing that I'm not going to tell you about? Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, Mr. Pig. Damn. Uh, no, it's cool. I mean, I. I was inspired by someone else's images, and uh, I it required gear, so I, I bought gear, and um, it's super super complicated to shoot, and there's a small window of time, and um, they're gonna be really really cool. I have shot two, <laughs> two, one, two, ah, two and a half, two, two and a nude. Um, and they're really cool. There's just it. I and it's just, unique and it's different. And it's unique and it's different. And I I don't. It's interesting because if if you don't share something, then someone else will eventually do it. And then you're like, but I did it first back in you know whatever years. So do you want to do you want to be the guy that stakes the claim by doing something? And I'm not doing anything first. I'm just doing stuff in my vision. Like right. I've never been the I've been the first to pioneer spots on Kauai as far as like the Firefall spot. But as far as like photography. Oh, Technique. I thought that was Patrick Smith. Uh. <laughs> uh. Oh, dagger to the heart. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's right. It's fine. He disappeared, didn't he? I haven't seen him post anything. That's a good point. Yeah, so when, time, I, when but... I first was out here, his imagery of Kauai was everywhere. Yeah. Which was kind of frustrating. I mean, I, 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 like, I you know, I went on, like, when I came out here the first time, I, like, you know, searched on Flickr. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was huge on Flickr, and there was tons he was of stuff. Huge, and I mean, like he won a, he won an award too for uh, for Nature's Best for uh, imaging Kilauea at a very dangerous spot that he almost got killed at because maybe he did die. I don't know. <laughs> well, this got morbid. Yikes! It's a good thing there's editing in podcasts. I uh, mean, maybe. I need to put my hair up. Sorry. Some of us have hair. I'm, I'm starting to lose my head too. There's a ton of people that were like, "Will he grow a beard for me?" <laughs> what, yeah. So with, with regards to what? So yesterday I put a thing out to the. Uh, I have like a, a, a Facebook group for the podcast, right? Asking people for questions, and people are like, "Will you grow me a beard?" Oh man! Oh, that's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Gary Randall said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beard's a thing. The beard has its own uh, own persona. Right now it's baby beard. It's pretty big though. Well, the photograph to your to your right. It's not that big. It was. Yeah. Yeah. The, but you shaved it like. I a shave year every. Ago or I shave every year. Yeah. Yeah. So funny beard story. My uh, <laughs> my dad had a beard for thirty years. My mom had never seen my dad without a beard, and like it was like it was a bunch of years ago. It was like five five six years ago. It won't, like he finally like shaved the beard. And it like let's let's be honest, it was weird. Um, and yes. then you know he you know he did mustache, did goatee, but the, the thought like I like one the beard is lazy. I'm a very lazy man. Like it's not like <laughs> you, you don't try for the beard. The beard happens, and like you you're a sculpted human being. This is this is this is exactly. Yes. I don't. I'm just lazy. So the beard happens. So whether I want it to or not, the beard's gonna come back. And then it becomes its own thing where you're like, I'm just gonna see how long this gets. But because I know that I have the ability just to be like, no, I'm going to keep this beard forever. I'm like, no, I'm going to shave it. I think the longest I've ever gone is like a year. And it's hard because a beard grows in slowly. Yes. But when you shave it, it goes away very quickly. Yes, it does. So it's a shock to the system. And usually I do something creative with it too as I get rid of it because it's 
it's more about hilarity. It's it's a funny situation. It's and a persona. It's a persona. It's part of the persona. It's right because you have to you have to market yourself, right? So like the beard is part of the photography. Right. That's why actually the photograph in the bio is now my 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 thing. Yeah. Yeah. The... Well, I just have a, a couple couple more questions for you. How do you deal with bugs? Bugs. Uh, luckily, so as tr- semi-tropical places go out here, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's not Costa Rica. It's not like there's not giant spiders and snakes that are gonna try and. Although, there are dude, giant spiders, but dude, they're not gonna hurt you. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. So backpack. I had, a couple days ago. I backpacked down into Waimea Canyon. Canyon. Yeah. That's a Willy Willy yeah. camp, mm-hmm. and there's a like composting outhouse. No. Down there. Probably a giant cane spider, I imagine. Oh my god, it <laughs> yeah. was the size of my hand. And, yeah, they're big. Yeah. And, you know, I'm from Colorado. Like, we don't have big ass spiders like that. And I really? Was like, in Colorado? No. Huh. I was. Yeah, they're big. They, freaky. <laughs> they, they, they don't hurt you, they don't bite. But, yeah, with the legs out, it's like the size of your hand. And they move. I've had a couple of my houses over the years, obviously. They jump. Like, there was one on my... I was chasing one once with a freaking Frisbee, which is a great device because it's got a large surface area. But it was on my railing, and it just... Just jumped off the railing onto the staircase. I was like, good lord. Now you're going to just kill it with fire. Just die. Yeah. I have friends that are like, no, it's good. They eat the cockroaches. Yeah, this is my house. Like, I'm not going to mess with you in your house. I've never seen anything like that, man. It was was big. Holy shit. The centipedes are the ones that'll that'll mess you up a little bit. Yeah? Yeah, just because I, I haven't, I'm going to knock on things. Yeah. I haven't been bit yet. It's supposed to be like a really bad wasp thing. Um, centipedes are the worst. Ugh. Those things are creepy. Yeah, but as far as like places go, like when you're hiking through the woods, like there's no bears. Right. There's no cougars or mountain lions or snakes that you're going to step on. So as far as places to go, like it's, pretty it's, safe. it's great. Like a wild boar, like you might run into and like. They're not gonna mess with you. Yeah, I was gonna say they're probably more afraid of you, right? Yeah, like you definitely will stop. They're huge and heavy, and like you're like, oh crap, and like it'll cross the trail and do its thing. But um, when yeah. my wife, <laughs> wife and I were hiking down, we heard noises. You know? Yeah, goats and pigs. And yeah, and um, well, so um, we heard some noises, and my wife was like, "Is that a wild boar?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know what the hell they sound like." And she was like, should we be worried? And I'm like, I, I don't, don't know. think so. You know? And she's yeah. like, that's not helping. Yeah. That's not- and it turned out to be like some guy coughing really weird. <laughs> like. Solid. Solid. <laughs> yeah. No, the, I feel like the only time that it would be possible, like if, if a mama bore and like the kids and like you were in the way of something. But right. I, I really don't. I've never heard of anyone being charged at by a pig out here. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's nice. I mean, bugs wise, I mean, there's mosquitoes for sure. Yeah. Um, I tend to try and not use DEET stuff, but if you're going to a place, and I don't wear DEET every day, right. so if I'm going to a spot that I know is going to be a little gnarly, um, the spray or the wipes. There's these nice wipes where you can just kind of like coat yourself with chemicals for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's basically just mosquitoes, and they're relative to like it's not Alaska where like, you're covered. Like you have to wear netting when you shoot right. in those places where you'll get covered. So it's not bugs are actually for, for here. It's not not too too bad. Yeah, I did. I I mean I'm covered in bug bites yeah. on my ankle. Yep. But they like ankles. Whatever. I will I will wear pants and shoes depending if I'm hiking. Even though it's out, like I have uh, you know lightweight long pants, 
Um, especially a lot of hikes out here go through ferns and they're really yeah. sharp. So you want to wear pants anyway. Yeah. Um, but I've I've learned to wear pants when I normally would just wear slippers and right you know, shorts and be like yeah let's go and then like you're standing still and there's no wind in a forest and like mosquitoes are like oh lunch <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you're just like constantly doing a dance while you're trying to shoot yeah right yeah, I have a one of my more popular photographs called uh, Rainbow Forest which was shot actually on Maui but I vividly remember how bit up I got during that shot because <laughs> I was like yeah you're in a forest with no wind and mosquitoes are like Tunk. yeah and you're trying to focus on getting the shot yeah it's and not like you can be as like, soon as you get stop walking, me. they're they're on you. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a good place to be. Yeah, I, as far as jungles go, I, it's not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. yeah. So, who would you uh, want to hear on the podcast? Oh man, I knew this was coming. I was driving in today, and <laughs> I've listened to a handful of podcasts. I'll admit. Cool. I'm not a an avid listener. You don't binge. I don't binge mostly because. Going back because you're working Instagram. twelve hours a day. Well, I, I do a bunch of driving. I just have a thing with photographers. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I mean, I I have good friends that are photographers, and the ones that I've met, um, I got to hang out with David Thompson in Vegas. Um, super cool dude. Super guy guy, and like the people that I've met have been have been awesome. But yeah, I just I like to keep to myself, so I don't I don't listen to a lot of photographers. Um, Oh, yeah. So here we go. Um, Brian Rube. Have you ever talked to him? Um, so Aperture Academy? Is yeah. That right? Yeah. Right. So back when I was starting to do my mainland trips, Brian and I got together a handful of times just to hang out. And dude, he's just fucking hilarious. <laughs> he's just a great guy. And he's got that self-deprecating humor. And it's, yeah, he's, he's very, very funny. I haven't seen him. He came out here a number of years ago. Um, we got to hang out and semi-shoot. You know, we just hung out and had yeah. beers while we pointed cameras at things, kind of thing. Which is fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's a really funny guy. Um, yeah, I haven't had him on yet, so that's that's usually the, the the first bar that I like to get over is have they been on the podcast? I think yeah. But I mean, yeah. the a lot of people you've done a pretty good job. Like one of the more, I mean, the obvious one is Guy Tall. Like I met him when I was in Southern Utah a number of years ago doing my thing and. I, yeah, his, the way he speaks and his way with words and imagery is just really, really unique. He's just a heady guy. Yeah. He's just a good dude. Um, I'm, I was trying to think of people, because originally when I was listening to the podcast a bunch, I was like, hey, these people popped into my mind. And I was like, like nope. And then I was like, I was driving in, I'm totally blanked on it. I was like, oh my God, I had all these people that I wanted to say. I met him through DeviantArt, and he was out here. That's old school. Yeah. I mean, I'm still on DeviantArt, technically. That's actually... Ah, Drew Hopper. Oh, okay. Yeah. DeviantArt. See, that jogged my whole memory. So there's, there's a whole bunch of photographers. Actually, that's how I met Alex Nail. That's how I met Drew Hopper. That's... Like, there's a whole bunch of us. Like, this is, you know, going back to 20... What? 2010? Right. Ish. 20, 2008. So, like, all these things were popping up, and DeviantArt was a big thing back then. And, like, so it used to be... And, like, when you're starting up as a photographer... I'm not good at it now, right? Because now, like, I'm like, eh, photographers. <laughs> but, like, when you're starting up, you're like, cool, you take good pictures. Cool, you take good pictures. Let's talk and chat. And, like, so it was a whole big social network thing. So you get to, like, so I've, I've had these long-term internet relationships with a lot of photographers that I never get. Like, Alex and I have talked for years. Like, Jack and I, like, 
his he's worked on my website so like i've chatted with him for years yeah um drew hopper you know he started as a landscape photographer and went street right not in like the gang style right, 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 right he right. shoots he shoots mostly street stuff but his stuff he doesn't shoot people literally literally yeah it's right. like yeah when you see i'm going out shooting you're like uh, i know like, what yeah i'm gonna go shoot some people shoot some nudes yeah. <laughs> yeah lasers mostly lasers uh yeah so his uh his eye for composition is is remarkable um i know most of what you're focusing on tends to be landscape photography but his yeah. well you can learn a lot um comp- especially composition from studying other forms of photography yeah he's 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 like a throwback i feel like his shadow shadow play and lines um hmm. You know, there's Lace Anderson is a great person to talk to. I was just talking to them like yeah. ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, she lives on Kauai. Yeah. Um, the 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 female perspective on things can be very important, especially with a lot of the gender gender equity that's going on right now because yeah. it's super important. And yes, landscape photography tends to be male dominated. Probably for worse. I don't see any benefit no. to male-dominated anything, pretty much, at all. Right. So, uh, getting more female voices to the front um, is just great in general. I know you've, you've done well with bringing... Have you had Erin on? Babnit? Yeah. 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 Twice. So like, <laughs> did she, was she purple in person? Well, we didn't meet in person. Oh! Uh, yeah. So she could have been purple. Could have been. Could have been. been. She's the great purple people leader. Yeah, I actually did a... I don't know if you listened to the one with her and Alex Nail. Oh, they're together? It was awesome. See, this is... I'm, I'm a bad uh, client. Yeah, I'll, I'll listen to that. Yeah. Um, oh, man, what was that? There's that one guy. So he, he was... He's an older gentleman. Older guy. Arizona Highways. Old school photographer. I wonder if I could dig him up. If I do, I'll send you the... Okay. Like, but cool. kind of that old school, like, kind of... Like the guy tall, where it's compositionally perfect and understated. You know, he was like this guy. He's older, so right. You don't shoot, need like you don't crazy need editing. The Max Rive, Mark Adamus, like let's just hammer away at the computer and like, right. Make... I'm gonna clone stamp in every aspect of the color, <laughs> yeah. and it's gonna be beautiful. Yeah, which is great. Again, it's art. I get it. But as far as it's just a different, it's just not, yeah. Style. It's just it's just style. It's it's nice. For me, I appreciate the under like the, the photos that you look at that you're like that composition is just nuts, and a lot of photography is just grandiose scenes where it's just right. like you don't need a great composition necessarily. And mostly, like you look at a lot of photographers, and yes, there's a lot of similarity through Instagram and social media because people are generally copying each other, especially if it's popular. You have twenty thousand followers, hundred thousand followers, cool. That's what I must need to do to get popular, so people will go to that style, and. <laughs> yeah, however it was. But for me, I tend to gravitate toward just just compositions. Like I just want to see things arranged in a way where it's just like, damn. Yeah, like it's so that's... and it's so hard. Like because you you try to emulate it, and you're like, it's it's just a different way of thinking. Totally. You, and like people do workshops and teach. Like you can teach you can teach someone how to take a decent photograph. For sure. Most people are decent photographers. But that extra that like extra, extra level, like, you can't. It's so hard. Can you teach that creativity? I don't know. I mean, there's I'm sure there's a Freakonomics right uh, listen, like Freakonomics we'll figure it out we'll figure it out we'll, we'll dive into the creativity yep. no you have to keep it you don't want to let this secret right. out of the bag 
You just give you little little nuggets. Well, I mean, dude, you don't you don't want so well. Sorry, you don't want to when you teach someone. You don't want you want people to find their own voice, and I think that's what's missing. Is that everyone is trying to like that's popular, so I'm going to do that. Find your own voice. Like, say, oh, that's cool, and I'm going to do it this yeah, way. How can though. I incorporate some of that? Right. So when you teach, I don't want to teach someone like put your tripod here. Boom. When on the very like, I used to do more private workshops where people were like, hey, do you have a sunrise available? I'm like, yeah, let's go out and shoot. And you know, some people are more advanced than others, but. I might show them like, okay, cool. I'm seeing this here and this here, and I'm going to put my tripod here, and this is the scene, and I'll show them the leading lines, and I'll show them the thirds and whatever, and then I'll like, all right, you do it. Like, you you go find something, and you want you don't want to teach someone how you do something. You want to teach someone how they can do it better through their eye. I was just thinking of the um, looking at other photographers' work, which, like I said, I don't follow too many photographers, but the I think the core reason to me is that. I want to be, maybe I want to get ideas or inspired a little bit, but I don't want those images in my head when I go to a location. Yeah. So there's a, like, there's a fine line between being able to research a location and go there and wanting to comp stomp and like, this person shot this. And like, I, I always want my own voice to whatever it is I shoot. So I want to know where to go sometimes. Sometimes I'll just go and you know stumble around on my own. And yeah, I it's my, nice to have um, ideas. Ideas, of- right sort of areas right or techniques or something where it's like oh cool like they did this and like like that project i said i'm working on like i saw someone's images and like they're cool and like i'm gonna do that my way so i i look a little bit online for inspiration but i don't i don't want to ever be able like like, there's actually um a photographer a well-known photographer that i get mistaken for let's say a bunch when people walk in the gallery they're like oh do you have galleries and oh. I'm like, no, I don't. That's somebody else. But I, I, I make a purpose. I haven't seen that particular photographer's imagery in 11 years. I made a point not to look at his work because I don't want to. I don't want to be influenced. I don't want to be like, yeah. Of course, there's going to be overlap in locations that we shoot, but I don't. I don't ever want to uh, have those things. I want to be fresh in my mind. I just want to be my own creator. Yeah. I used to, like, when I came here for the first time, like, I did, I was like, I have to go here, I have to go here, I have to go to this spot, and, like, I need to get that exact same composition, and now, like, when I came here for this trip, I purposely didn't look at anyone's stuff, like, I just wandered the beach, and, like, or, like, when I hiked down into the canyon, like, I found this maybe, like, probably... I don't know, 15 inch by 15 inch spot on the ground on the forest floor right. that had all these like leaves, like fallen leaves on it. Yeah. Like, and it just looked really cool. Yeah, just fallen leaves. Yeah, and so like I just shot that for like 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, and we don't get fallout here. So that's that's a cool scene to capture. We do get some, there's uh, mountain apples that have these crazy pink, they're flowers, but they're weird looking. Um, kind of like filaments. Um, and when they bloom in the spring, spring, yeah, I assume it's spring. Um, and they fall like the carpet. Like, you get this purple-pink carpeting on the ground. It's really, really cool. Um, I've never figured out a way to photograph it properly, but it's, uh, yeah, like, you, yeah, there's a, there's a balance between being inspired and just going out there and copying and people. So, yeah, that's, that's another one of my... Yeah, I went to, um, I went to Iceland in March, mm-hmm. and I purposely didn't look... That's a tough spot, because that's been hammered now. It has, but I purposely didn't look at anyone else's stuff. Like, the group I went with 
had a whole itinerary of places right. we were going to go. Right. But I purposely didn't, like, look at other people's stuff. Yeah. Just for the reason, like, I didn't want to, um, yeah. like, push myself yeah. to go to certain places and expect. Yeah. Now, there was one night, and I've talked about it on the podcast, yeah. where I was like, there's an Aurora, where do we go? And we, I found a Michael Shanebloom shot, mm -hmm. and I was like, let's go there. And then we went there, and well, we've talked about it on the pod, but yeah. it's... Is yeah. some, some spots there's only like one composition right like, there are some spots where you get to and it's like yeah that's the shot there's still ways of making that your own you know like how many times the people shot maroon bells right right which eventually i will shoot maroon bells although apparently they you can't they did really they did something different now right there's a rope around it now right yeah so maybe which I is interesting yeah. can you fly drones there no it's wilderness I mean, people do, uh, but of course they do. Yeah, that's no. Uh, we, we didn't even talk about drones. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Right. I mean, I have one, and I love shooting with it. Uh, I got part 107. I got certified because I'm a visible photographer, and I know that if I don't do things properly, that eventually someone's going to come yelling at me. Um, but it's kind of backwards because the professional photographers technically are supposed to get certified. But if you're just flying as a hobbyist, you don't have to get certified, which means you don't necessarily know the rules, which means you're just going to be an asshole with a drone. I mean, you can be an asshole with a drone if you're certified or not, but it's just like a friend of mine almost saw a helicopter run into a drone because they were like... Here in Kauai? Yeah, because they were flying up on the ridge. You're not supposed to fly in state parks, right, for one. And two, you can make an argument, if you look at the state park map, that there's some wiggle room in there. But you don't want to be flying where the, the helicopter routes are. Right. Right? And That seems you, like a no-brainer, though. You would think. Right. But not everyone, when you show up to a place, maybe you don't know that there's a helicopter coming every 20 minutes. You should. You see them all the place. But, and then maybe the helicopter does a different route. So maybe it's closer in where you're not expecting it. And um, Yeah. Drones are... It's tough because it's such a cool way of shooting and seeing perspectives. Um, some of the photographers we mentioned have done really cool drone stuff recently. Uh, but yeah, it's just they're noisy. They can be obtrusive. A lot of times when I'm shooting, I'm over water, so like I'm not I'm not bugging people. Yeah, I was down at Shipwreck yep. Beach just two nights ago, mm -hmm. and there was like three drones. <laughs> oh my god! I'm like, okay, <laughs> drone wars. Oh man, I know. And like, <laughs> I've I don't think I've ever been in the air with someone else that I know about. But yeah, I mean they're more prevalent now, so they're going to be everywhere. And like. I'm sure they're flying the Mavics, right? I didn't see what kind, but I'm assuming. It's I mean, like, the Phantoms are obvious because they're the big white ones. Yeah, I think it was. Was the Phantom? Yeah. 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 I mean, either way, yeah, three is hilarious. Oh my god. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> yeah. And I, I have a, I have a, like, on my to-do list. You know, I've been, I have a, of my spreadsheet locations. I have a list of like, oh, I have ideas, and I jot them into a note on my, you know, iCloud, whatever. And I have a bunch of drone ideas of stuff. I'm like, ooh, that would be cool. And, you know, time of day. And this still goes into my list. And Shipwrecks is a very photogenic spot, you know. For and sure. Knowing the tide and time of year there can be very dramatic to, to getting, like, the shot. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some pretty cool stuff that's possible there that I've, I've just kind of scratched the surface on. Yeah. I just I will find time. I have a night shot that I actually did share earlier this year. Did I share it? Yeah, I shared it earlier this year. There's, I mean, at this point, because I've shot this place so much, you you tend to turn to, like, I have one day a year where this is possible. 
I just got one of those shots last week, which I only kind of messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have that. Like, I it, mean, you can salvage it's, a lot. Nowadays, yeah, it's but... it's it's workable. Um, <laughs> it was a moonshot, and apparently the moon moves really quickly when it's rising, so you have to be kind of like a shorter shutter speed. So like, there's a little bit of motion blur in the moon. Yeah, and you can just Photoshop it back in. Yeah, <laughs> if I even shot it, like if I, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, like that's one thing about living in this, like we're in the subtropics, but we don't get like hours long sunsets like you do on the mainland or up north. Like sunset will last for an hour, an hour and a half, right? You know, because the the angle of incidence, like it's such a slow set, you know, right? Moon and sun, but especially Out, the further north you are, like, yeah, it's it's just a it's just a slow slope. We're at twenty two north. Like, that thing goes straight into the ocean. Right. Right. Blam. Yeah, done. It's like, it's not golden hour, it's like golden... Minute. Yeah, you get like... Golden... Tw- 20 fifth, minute. Golden like, quarter hour. Yeah, you get like the 20, 15, 20 minutes. And yeah, and same thing with like any celestial body. It's like, boom, gone. Yeah, so, you know, when you're lining things up, you know, like, like the people that crushed the, the eclipse last year, holy hell, some of the images that they were able to get um, in Oregon, the climbers. And oh, stuff. Andrew Studer and... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they crushed that so good. And like, yeah, like... You have to be out of your shit. And that's the thing. Like, you can't... Oh, man. Yeah. I'm really good at messing up photography. <laughs> There's some people out there that are, like, super anal about, like, I'm going to shoot at 5.6 because it's the sharpest f-stop, and I'm going to focus stack because it's the sharpest. And, like, I'm a lazy photographer. I just want to get the shot. You know, like, I print big. And, like, yes, there's some things in here that are not perfect. But you can't you're capturing an image, not not the perfection. In. Although I'll say when you print big, it's interesting. Like, most, you're not, most people don't view big prints... Close up, right? You're not supposed In, to, because you're viewing it back. And when you're viewing it back, you can't see those imperfections. When you're right, you're supposed to. There's over the seven years, like yeah, there are some very, very few clients that will be really nitpicky. That's also why I moved to the D850 because I want to be able to print huge. It also means if I screw up, you're more likely to see it. Absolutely, because any little imperfection in that. Yeah, yeah. it's more accentuated. Yeah, but the uh, it's funny because you know a lot of people like. Yeah, so, and again, I don't post on social media with me standing next to photographs, but a lot of people will post on social media with, like, printed out something large and hold, like, a, a 24 by 36. You know, I, it's, like, everyone should print their work. Always, always, always print your work. Like, just get something on the wall. I agree. Right? So, but, it's, you know, with the gallery, it's different because I can go 10 feet, you know, and it's... it's and you awesome. get to see it. And you get to see it, yeah. It's like, people ask me what I have in my house, and I'm like, well... I have way more wall space in the gallery than I do at my house, and I don't have anything this large. At home, I have other people's artwork. Yeah, I like that. So that's cool. Yeah. Anyway. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, dude, this has been amazing. Thanks. Yeah, it's fun. It's good thanks for time. for doing the podcast. This, this is where we throw shakas, and then no one can know that we're throwing shakas because we could do whatever. We could do whatever. <laughs> we're actually not wearing clothes right now. This is a totally nude podcast. <laughs> Well, thanks to Aaron for taking the time to visit with us on the podcast. It was such a blast recording with beers in hand in his gallery. If you enjoyed our talk, there's a lot more over on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash fstop and listen. Well, next week we sit down again with printmaking master Mark Metternich to get schooled on all things printmaking starting in the field. Mark shares his secrets to creating world-class fine art prints with us so be sure to tune in. Thanks to our newest patrons, including Jason Lanuski, uh, who increased his support level to $5 a month, Madis Karu for their $10 a month pledge, 
and Anton Everin for his $20 a month pledge. You're going to be hearing more about Anton's ARC panel on future episodes of the podcast. Well, in 2019, I'm really hoping to get the word out about the podcast even more, and I need your help. I figure if you've made it this far into the podcast, you're probably what I would call a super fan. So please, please, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star review. Tell us what you like about the podcast, and then send me a direct message on Instagram that you left the review so I can thank you in some way. Thanks to Kyle Keffert for his very generous five-star review and for letting me know over on Instagram. Well, if you want to leave comments about the episode, head over to the episode notes on my blog at mattpainphotography.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as mattpainphoto or on Facebook as mattpainphotography. And be sure to check out our awesome Facebook group where you can actually ask questions of upcoming guests. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.